We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, Reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the making. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Paul with my co-host, my partner in crime, former Los Angeles Rams defensive back Michael Stewart. That's right, for another edition of the show. Mike, how you doing? Mike? You there? Mike. <laughs> One of these days I'm going to learn how to unmute when I'm supposed to. Anybody? <laughs> <laughs> We got to keep that in. Yeah, man. We got to keep that in. (laughs) I need to get some instructions on the buttons. Get you instruction manual for one button on your microphone. (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks. 
There's the way we're going to say hello to Mike today. I, <laughs> I was just all by myself thinking, oh, great. Here we go. Another one of those Grublin nights. Then I thought, wait, did Mike? Mike is probably talking right now and is did not push his. Yeah, button. man. We got to leave that in. Talking. That's good. We, we got to leave that in. All right, man. I guess I have to ask again. I guess I would ask, how are you doing? Hey, man, we're doing good, doing really well. Uh, had some great weather out here the last couple of days, which uh, early in the week, well, it was cold for us, not cold for you. But uh, last couple of days was, uh, you know, about 65 degrees. Well, see, that's just sad. I'm not going to lie. That is just sad. How in the world are you just going to pour that on me like that? And it's freezing out here. We had a snow day on Sunday. Sorry, Friday. Oh, wow. Friday. We had a snow day, and here you are, 65 degrees. Just, just, my gosh. I don't even have words for you. None. All right. We have a lot to talk about. I'm sorry. A little bit of it will be a bit of a rehash. We're starting to get some news of what the Rams are doing. They're meeting up with Todd Gurley. Uh, We don't know the who's the why's. We've heard lots of rumors in terms of what's going on there. We're getting closer and closer to league year. And, it, Mike, I'm seeing a lot of this online in multiple Rams rooms, Rams groups. The idea of trading Brandon Cooks, the idea of trading well, Jared Goff, Todd Gurley. And I don't see how they do that. I don't see how they do it. And... You have some different thoughts than me, and that's fine. Maybe I'm being a little bit too clean, a little bit naive on it. But we're going to get into that. We'll look at the numbers. They're updated now from the last time we covered. They're, they're a little bit more cleaner, both at OverTheCap.com and, and SpotTrack. They both are showing different numbers, and numbers that aren't exactly good for the Rams. Before we get there, though, we do want to ask you to head on over to Apple Music, if you haven't already, and leave us a review. We really appreciate it. We are looking to get up to 200 five-star reviews, and once we do that, we're going to go ahead and give away one of those amazing gift cards that can provide you the, well, or just buy you the Rams personalized jersey that you wish. Maybe you're waiting, by the way. You might want to wait until uh, the new number, new jerseys come out. Maybe that's the case. Maybe it's a case of you are waiting for the new season. I don't know. But go check it out. Also, we are sponsored by Jingle Hawks Book, Hollywood's Team, and of course, don't forget the other shows on the network, including Butting Heads. Rams and Censored, a little bit of hiatus, come back soon, apparently. That's a rumor. We'll find out. And with all that in mind, Mike, three guys. There's the big three, I think, right now are the key for the Rams. And there are already guys who are signed. That's Todd Gurley, Jared Goff, and Brandon Cooks. All three of them had seasons last year they would... Um, probably like to forget, especially in Jared Goff's case, 22 touchdowns, 16 interceptions, had some really, really awful games, especially during crucial parts of the year. What do you think is going on now on the on the Rams front as they start to get close to the new year and their salary caps are, their numbers aren't pretty. Uh, for the, the Rams right now, it's, Reported by OverTheCap.com that they are roughly $14.7 million in cap space for them. And then for the Rams, their cap space is uh, 
a little better, about $23 million, depending on how these things work out. So tell me, man, what do you think? Where's this, where's this going? Well, it's, it's interesting, but, you know, with the new offseason and, and everybody starting to get geared up for free agency, the draft, you know, you're just going to hear a lot of rumor mill and innuendo, but at the ultimate, uh, ultimately, it comes down to what are the salary cap numbers really going to be and who's going to be where and who's not going to be where. And, and kind of until that that unfolds a little bit more, you know, we can speculate. But it'll, it's interesting that, you know, the, the Rams and Gurley have to have a discussion. I don't know that it's so much about, you know, all the other things outside of what we talked about, especially uh, late during the season. Just attitude and body language, you know, again, uh, his running back coach, I guess, uh, was let go. They, they got another one in replacement. But I think it has to do with, you know, does he really want to be a Ram anymore? Well, it would be kind of weird, though, honestly, if that was a discussion they're going to have when all the ways that remove him from the roster right now are going to wind up hurting the Rams up front. I mean, the hit for him, the hit for Todd Gurley, if the Rams happen to move him, it's not pretty. It is not pretty at all. For example, let's see here. For a cut right now, just a cut, they are $8.4 million underwater on dead cap loss. Okay. 8.4 for a trade, they're still going to have $12.6 million in dead cap money on their roster for this year and a, a $4.6 million um, cap growth. That's it. So that is if they trade him. That's if they trade him. I don't know how you feel about that, but it's, that's not probably what they're looking for. And that's pre June first. Well, that's true. That's true. But you got to understand, you know. Again, I always go back to 1987 uh, when we traded, or when they traded Eric Dickerson, who by far was the best back in the league. You know, truly a franchise player. Uh, but the Rams have been known to somewhat make a statement on when it comes down to these contract things, or if they feel like uh, a player may be you know, whining, if you will, a little bit too much or or just being distant. You know, if they feel like you're distant and there's no coming back, they're going to make a move. Yeah, but, Mike, in 1987, there was no salary cap like this where you had dead money. No, that's true. That's true. But remember, when we talk about team chemistry, all those things play into it. So if in their mind they think that, Todd is now being someone who's being distant uh, and becoming, you know, a passive aggressive, passive aggressive, you know, troublemaker for lack of a better term. Then you know teams are moving on. I mean, we saw what happened to what was considered the best receiver in the league. You know, uh, A. B. Antonio Brown, though he somewhat talked his way out of Pittsburgh and then out of the other places by just behavior. You know, Todd Gurley may be the opposite where 
he's just not saying anything. He's just letting his actions speak for themselves. So, you know, anytime you have these now situations where, you know, a lot of guys are not working out at the facility in the offseason, they go work with their private trainers and so on and so forth. This, to me, is what we were somewhat trying to figure out towards the end of the season. Mm -hmm. It just seemed like something else was going on. Well, he also has a, a roster bonus coming up as well. Can't forget that. There is a roster bonus as part of that that kicks him for next year. So the Rams are kind of on the spot. They're going to move him. This is why uh, when you and I were talking before, we, we include the June the post-June 1st numbers. But I think this is why they all show on spot track as being not available because a lot of these guys have roster bonuses. Right. And it won't matter about anything after, I think it's anywhere from March 19th to June 1st, if they set the roster bonus. So that's what Todd Gurley has to do. Well, I mean, he'll accept it. If he's still on the roster on March 19th, then there's a roster bonus involved. And now you're stuck with it for two years, really, because you're paying that you're paying the guaranteed money for two years. Basically, the, the Rams right. have 40, what, 40 days to figure this out. Yeah, it is it, definitely it's definitely going to be a, a touchy situation because again, uh, I don't know what type of teammate overall he is. It sounds like from you know my early reports that you know great teammate, great guy. But again, having played for I just used my own experience having played for the Rams and and just how you know that trade with uh, Eric Diggerson went down. You know, well-liked. Most of us looked up to, you know, E.D., as we call him. And, you know, he definitely was one of the the leaders on the team, if not the leader at the time. So uh, not sure where Gurley is or if they just know that based on the early reports coming into the league that, you know, he had a three, maybe four-year run on the knee. Maybe they just feel like, yeah, you know, we paid the money. But maybe we can get out of it somehow uh, with as little bit as opposed to paying out a whole nether year in his full salary and all the bonuses and things like that. Maybe, you know, they just feel like, hey, we can cut our losses now or find a trade partner or do what we can to just minimize, you know, what is going to be a big hit no matter what. With him, though, appearances – are interesting. Like you were mentioning before, his body language during the season was not good. His press conferences, by the way, which I, you've heard me, I've said the Rams just as much as fault for putting him out there. Like if you have a guy who's not happy and you know he's going to be grouched the media, why would you put him out there for everybody to see? Right. I mean, well, exactly. That's so that's partially right. on the Rams. But then he's also in the commercials for the new team. They've just been coming out. Like in the last week. Yeah. He's in those commercials, and that yeah. tell me that, yeah, they have plans for him being there because he's in the commercials. But not to talk in a circle here, but I think back to the Rams' first year, and James Laurinaitis is going out to L.A. and doing stuff to help advertise the team moving out there, and guess what they did? They cut him. It's hard to say, but, I mean, you... You just have him taking pictures of photo ops with the stadium and the Rams hard hat on. I'll tell you what I think. And I think this for all three guys. And it's basically the same boat. I mean, Jerry Goff's boat is the biggest one because his, his dead cap hit overall is bananas. 
the guys we're talking about right now, the guys who basically are hammering the Rams salary cap are Brandon Cooks, Jared Goff, Todd Gurley. I think the Rams are going to try and get these guys to restructure. And they're probably trying to get them to do it now. Because if they can't do it now, then they're going to, then they'll have to try and move them. I just don't see yeah. other options. I don't think Mike, I don't see do you see anybody I, I can see somebody going after Jared Goff. I think mean, someone's gonna try and find gold there. And his contract is decent long term. Do you see someone going after Brandon Cooks or Todd Gurley after the seasons they had and the injuries they had? No, I no. Those two definitely, you know, with Cooks and the head injury uh, issue, uh, obviously, you know, uh, Gurley with possibly, you know, maybe everything he had was left out in the, the, the prior two years before last season, you know, and, and now he's def, definitely maybe on the decline. Uh, I also know that, you know, some guys, they get to a, a new surrounding, new set of circumstances, and, you know, they be, they come alive again. I mean, I look at Jadavian Clowney with Seattle. I mean, this guy was a beast this year and maybe one of the top free agents signed in the offseason if he doesn't stick with Seattle. So, it just depends, you know. Uh, obviously, you if you end up possibly right now in a Cincy or the Browns, maybe that's not where you want to end up. But if you could end up in, you know, say a Todd Gurley ending up in New England, you know, something like that, uh, that could be the case. You know, there's speculation with Tom Brady not resigning. So maybe they do a trade and, you know, Jared Goff goes there. Brady goes wherever he is, but it allows the Rams, you know, I haven't looked that deep into what they could get as far as, you know, draft picks and all those kinds of things. But it's just going to be interesting to see what happens from this so-called discussion they got to have with Todd. (sighs) That is a massive sigh right there. What's your prediction? My prediction is... It's very hard to it's just for the fact that they got to have a meeting to me just makes it seem like there's a lot more to this than meets the eye. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, I would think, but I think before they do anything, right, I think they're going to want to talk about their issues last year. If if those are still issues, they're going to want to look at the offensive plan for next year, where they're going with it. Um, They're going to get a gauge on his health. And how that knee is working, they're going to want to, you know, look at all those factors before they decide. Hey, we're going to go ahead and move you, or hey, we're going to stay. Maybe they approach him then also with the idea of renegotiating his deal. So I think there's a lot of things that's wrapped in what we know, right? I, you know, but you look at all the other things that come into play too. The Rams have hired a new OC in Kevin O'Connell. I mean, we know that Sean McVay is heavily uh, in on, you know, I'm sure the offensive game plan and even calling plays. I'm sure, but you got a new o- offensive coordinator. You have a new running back coach. You know what I mean? So you got other plus, you know, defensive guys, but you got a new special team. We just saw. Uh, the strength and conditioning coach, he left to go to Philly. So you have a lot of changes, and the, the Rams staff is going to have a lot of new guys on there. And sometimes when you get new guys in, they're just not – you just don't click as well 
with the guys that's been there because those guys may tend to want to bring their own guys in. Now, I know Coach McVay, as far as offensively, he's going to have a major say in who may come and go. But you just got to figure if Todd Mc, if Sean McVay was one of the guys jumping on the table, making sure that they kept Todd Gurley and got him paid, and then if he feels like, hey, you know, I went out on the limb somewhat for you, and Todd, this is kind of what you're giving me back, you know, that stuff gets a little personal. So that's what I mean. It just seems odd that it's specifically saying in all these different reports that he has to sit down with Coach McVay. So that means it, it to me it's zeroing in on something that's going on with their relationship. So if that trust is lost, who's to say what could happen? I would say that given the financial issues there, given the hurdles they'd have to make, I gotta say that they're they're looking at at making sure the role fits and then renegotiating. I think it is a case for at least two of those guys and not all three. Because I don't I mean going to Brandon Cooks, I don't see anybody taking a risk on him right now. Four concussions in a couple years. Who's going to take a risk on that? Yeah, I mean, we think that, but man, there's always someone out there that's in need of a guy who can get deep. And then again, depending on what offense he lands in, he may not have to be so much that guy coming underneath as much as he's he's been a little bit more uh, with the Rams. So, you know, it's just it's just when you have these moving pieces, and now you know, salary cap is supposed to go up again. You know, the CBA, a new CBA is on the horizon. A lot of these guys are trying to plan. I'm sure not just for this season, but the seasons ahead, anticipating, you know, what the CBA could look like down the road. So there's just a lot of ifs that are out there, what ifs that are out there. And it's definitely going to heat up because, you know, as we talked about a little bit off air, the the new stadium is opening this year. So do the Rams want to come in and say, hey, new stadium, we're going to the Super Bowl this year? Or are they saying we're going to take a more – long-term approach and make sure we have a product that's going to look good for years to come as opposed to trying to just build for the one year. I think they learned from that, you know, getting to the Super Bowl and then struggling a little bit last year. I agree. I agree. It means in terms of the overall process, but I'm going to say it right now. I think they're renegotiating. That's my prediction. I mean, I'm going to call right now. Renegotiations. Renegotiations <laughs> to try and open up cap room. We, this is where we differ. This is where we differ, okay? And, and this is because you're, I think you're thinking longer term, which is weird for me because usually I'm a longer term thinker. I'm thinking short term a bit here. I just don't see how the Rams, in a team that's trying to win this market, not just trying to win this market, trying to own this market. How you don't have your stars there to open this new stadium. I just don't see the wisdom in that. I know you're trying to take care of the long term, but you got to have fans be there for the long term too. And if you know you just aren't drawing these guys in because you basically gutted gutted the name faces. If you trade Gurley, if you trade. Cooks, I don't think anybody will take them. 
if you trade Goff, those are your big three in terms of people who who sucked the life out of your cap last year, by the way, for for huge cap hits this year, one way or the other. You're talking serious dead caps where you wouldn't even be able to do anything in free agency. I don't see how that would be productive, Mike, for a team trying to win over a fan base in their new state. New state wouldn't be a way to get in there and, and uh, welcome this fan base to these new abodes. No, that I, I totally agree for, with that premise. But again, what if they're looking at it and they feel like they got Daryl Henderson now on the roster. He's gotten through his rookie year. Hey, we're just going to turn the keys over to a healthy guy who can give us what we want. And we'll have, you know what I mean? I don't know. You know, I, I, I agree with you in regards to the cap hit and things like that, but what are you going to do? You have a guy just standing over there not suiting up every game. You know what I mean? How does that play out for team chemistry? Well, so when you put all those things in, go ahead. No, I was just thinking, though, I just want to point one thing out, though, that, but that would assume that you actually have faith that Daryl Henderson's ready for the job when he didn't show last year that he was ready for the job. Well, that's true. But, you know, again, they figure, hey, we got off season. He may have shown enough to say, you know what, we're ready to go with this guy. And we still got Malcolm Brown on the roster as well. So, you know, I don't know. We've seen crazier things happen. Uh, But again, I just the whole idea about, you know, your number one running back having to meet with your head coach and basically offensive coordinator in the offseason, to me, that just spells that something is going on because that just doesn't happen, you know. Just doesn't happen. I just take it as I'm getting on the same page at this point because, A, they need to make sure that he's on board with their program, that he is doing everything that's supposed to be done. They need to make sure that he's, uh, because they're paying a ton of money and they need him. Well, when they need a running back out there who's going to do what they need him to do. You got to think about the fact that there is even a trade is twelve point six on your cap, no matter what. So if they are even thinking about doing the trade, they have to make sure they're making the right call. There's a million reasons to talk to him. There's probably four or five reasons in the actual conversation for for talking with him. And for all we know, that's what we that's what's been reported. That's what's been leaked, but. It's possible that they've talked to Cooks and, and to Havenstein and Goff and pretty much anybody else whose pro, whose contracts they consider moving to get things done. Mike, I just don't see them. I don't see them pushing this guy out unless Daryl Henderson has come in there in the offseason and been a monster and done everything he's supposed to plus more. I just don't see it, but. I've made some naive columns in the past, and I could be wrong here. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I just think it's just really odd, the timing of it all. But, you know, there's always those things that so-called get leaked, which is always interesting because if something, if me and you are meeting on something and we're the only ones meeting on it, then the leak is down to two people, Right. So when I hear all these things about, you know, it was leaked or, you know, my sources who want to 
remain anonymous because they don't have the ability to speak on the issue. That's just always a bunch of uh, crock. So stuff gets leaked, in my opinion, more or less on purpose as opposed to on accident. So the fact that these things are being discussed makes it either Rams trying to put pressure on on Gurley or Todd and his team and people trying to say, look, guys, we want out. So that either either or, you know, if you're the player, you're like, wait a minute. Why are you guys making me look like I'm the bad guy, though I've actually done something? And if the player is trying to exert some type of pressure, organizations don't really like that because I would say in this this situation, they're going to say, look, man, we drafted you. You were hurt. We let you sit out your rookie year in rehab. You know, yeah, we walked along. We let you go work out in the offseason with your own personal trainer. We let you do this. We put you on a pitch count. You know, in camp, you don't have to do that. And this is our repayment. You know, some people take that real personal. They say it's business, but that stuff can become real personal because hopefully there's some friendship to a degree involved when either party is somewhat helping each other out. I think they're going to have to help each other out. Or it's not going to work. It's not tenable as you try and bring... I mean, you, if, if you're a part of the players, right, you need, I think, at least one of the two guys that's gone on your your edge rushers there. You, you lose Corey Littleton or you lose Dante Fowler Jr. I don't think you can afford to lose both. At some point, they have to re-sign Jalen Ramsey. They didn't go trade two first-round picks for the guy for him to walk after a year and a half. Or for them to have to franchise him and pick him off. They want to get this over and done with. So... I think they have to work together to reach a solution. And another thing, too, you mentioned new running backs coach, Ted Rath, a strength coach, is gone, went to Philadelphia. By the way, I don't blame him. You know, he faced, he was on trial out there in, in, in California. He probably wants to start a new life, start fresh. Um, new, new coordinators, Eric Weddle retiring. We haven't talked about that yet. There's a lot of changes for this team. And maybe you want to get everybody together and on board with some kind of plan for the future. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that's a big, huge part of, you know, getting into the offseason because that's one thing you want to is you want to hit in as cohesive as possible. Because, again, we we're going to talk about some of these names that are coming up. And again, the dynamics of the, the team changes again, but depending on how well like these guys are from their teammates and the organization depends on the fallout that comes with a guy either signing or not signing. You know, and one of the things that often goes overlooked is a guy that's technically maybe marginal or good player and it seems like he signs a huge contract to stay, that plays a part as well. It's like, well, wait a minute, this this guy is maybe second tier, third tier but you mean we can't go keep our first tier guy? So, yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, upheaval and restructuring going on across the board, which probably hasn't been since the Rams uh, hired Coach McVay. No, I mean they they went through a stretch 
early 2010s when they were restructured a bunch of guys. Remember when Chris Long restructured? I think Laurinaitis. I'm not, don't quote me. I think Laurinaitis did once too. I think. Right, but I'm saying I'm talking through the McVay era. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, it's been a long time, is what I'm trying to say. It's been right. quite a long time. All right. So, a couple more things here. Just to make sure that we are all on the same page with uh, the Rams and present, present stuff. Eric Weddle retires after one year. He signed a two-year contract. Actually quoted this pretty much saying it makes him sick to have to go out there. and <laughs> It feels really bad. You know, it makes him sick to have to go out there and possibly, um, well, you know, go to camp again. How do you feel about him retiring? Well, you know, guys know when it's time. Uh, and so he's probably figured that he's probably wouldn't be the starter. So he's like, yeah, I'm not doing that because a guy like him, you know, when you're a veteran, they bring you in, you know, camp is not going to be like the normal camp as it would be for, you know, first, second, third year guy. They're going to make sure a guy who's more of a veteran like him, you know, he's getting his mental reps. But, uh, again, you have a new defensive coordinator, though they'll try to keep a lot of things similar. You're going to probably have to put in extra days of these voluntary mini camps for, you know, the new defense new defensive coordinator to, you know, start getting his terminology and things like that. It's typically, he's not going to probably come in and, and run things exactly as Wade Phillips, else they would have kept Wade. So that calls for extra days to just be there in the offseason. And, you know, a guy like him who played the majority of his time in San Diego, then he played some solid years in Baltimore, then now he's on another team, and then now he's on another defensive coordinator. He's like, yeah, I'm had enough. I don't blame him. You know, you put so much of the game, and you you sign there to try and be that star for two years. You don't play up to, to your standard. You see the right on the wall that your job isn't going to be there next year. Totally get it. Um, what bothers me actually, and I hate to call out some of our own, a lot of folks trashing Eric Weddle for his performance in 2019. Folks, he wasn't horrible by any stretch of the imagination. A, B, I think the experience he brought to the locker room will help them long term. C, the Rams chose to sign him. They made that call. It's not like Eric Weddle just came over here and trashed their season. It's not like he didn't give his best. I will say there's probably some valid criticism there for when he said he wouldn't give up secrets on the Ravens. Like, if you're not going to do that, dude, don't talk about it. Because the Ravens went out and smashed him. <laughs> right. I mean... That probably yeah, wasn't the sure brightest moment, but he had no, a heck of a career. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. You know, and shoot. Uh, but again, uh, when you have new systems, he's coming from Baltimore, a different style of system, comes to the Rams, 
and obviously Wade is knowing, uh, known for getting after people with the front. That wasn't as strong as it's been in, you know, some previous years, you know, whether it was here, Denver, and, and where else he's been. So everything just kind of worked to a little bit of a negative uh, outcome for everything that happened for the ending of the season. So you missed the playoffs, you know, everybody gets scrutinized a little bit more, you know, you're having games where you know teams are scoring a bunch of points uh a little more scrutiny because it doesn't matter if you had a good day you're on that defense it gave up 40 something plus points you know a couple different times so all those things play into it and again it usually is the mental fatigue that says you know enough is enough and you know a guy like eric weddle he's he's made some good money so he's he's good all right so all that said we do want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Jim Hawk, who's a longtime sponsor, good guy. He's been a big supporter of ours from from the get go. Almost, As a matter of fact, I think he was on our third or fourth overall episode of the show. That's pretty pretty cool. Um, his book Hall of Team covers an age in Rams history we don't talk about much at all. As a matter of fact. Even with the new 1951 Rams book coming out here in a couple in a, in a couple months, it's not covered. It's just 1953 to 1957. This was an era where the Rams had a roster full of not just talented guys, but characters. These characters included Crazy Legs Hurst, Tom Fears, Les Richter, Norm Van Brocklin, all these guys, future Hall of Famers. And it really is also look at Jim's dad, John. He played for the team from 53 to 57. Folks, it's a piece of history. It's a great piece of history that illustrates what this team did to really embrace L.A., get into the Hollywood life, and all the glitz and glamour, hence the name, that it mattered, that it came with. Okay, So check out the book. It's available at hollywoodsteam.com. It's on Twitter at hollywoodsteam. It's available both in hardback and electronic form on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You can also find it anywhere you can find a book online. Okay, one more thing. Paperbacks are out too. So it's hardback, paperback. And I'm telling you, it's well worth the read. We don't have enough history books out there about the Rams. It brings it all to you, and it benefits Homeboy Industries. Great, great thing. Check it out. Jim Hawks, Hollywood Team, Grit Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. All right, so last subject for the day. The XFL, man. Did you watch any? I did, man. I thought the XFL it was it was some good football. Very, very happily surprised. You know, I was too. I was too. I was pretty guarded after watching what happened to the AAF last year. Right. I was pretty surprised. What did you like about it? Well, I like the the format of the kickoff. Uh, I thought that's that's a cool format. I would see the NFL adopting that pretty quick because, you know, it's pretty simple. You don't have the big collisions, but you still have a great opportunity for, you know, electrified run of, of breaking away. But, you know, it just kind of stops all the running down the extra 30 to 45 yards making a collision. Uh, that was interesting. And just the overall play I thought was was very good and not so much looking like, 
the minor league team of NFL. It looked like you were looking at NFL caliber, a little bit under uh, caliber uh, games. They looked good. I liked. I liked the presentation of it. I liked the transparency. You got to go up into the the huddle basically to see how the officials were handling penalties and controversial calls. There was one review during the St. Louis game today that was absolutely fascinating in how they showed them talking through a fumble that was called in Houston's possession after the review. Also listening to Chuck Long, former Ram Chuck Long, as St. Louis's offensive coordinator, Chuck. call plays. Right. You remember old Chuck? And uh, Yes. Yeah, I mean, it was really nice to see that. It was refreshing. The league has embraced a level of transparency we wish we'd see with the NFL. And maybe that, maybe that's something that eventually filters out. I got, you know, we love, we, we love to pick on Vincent Mann. We, we do. When the, when the first XFL f- basically flopped, and we have always poked fun at pro wrestling. There's a lot of great pro wrestling fans out there. I'm a pro wrestling fan, but it's basically soap opera for mostly guys. <laughs> but that's what it is, right? It's basically soap opera in a ring. Right. But he's... But but they call WWE entertainment for a reason, Mike. And this they made True. the game a little more entertaining. They did. They they Vincent Mann knows how to make a presentation. I think it's a good job. I think they made some mistakes with the with the teams and all, but overall, I think I'm I'm gonna keep watching. Yeah, I mean it's a cool format. I think it it's like a hundred thousand goes to the winning team each game or something like that. Uh, I thought that's pretty good incentive. You know, I think it comes out to like about twenty two hundred or something like that per player. But man, that'd be pretty cool. You get an extra twenty two grand on your check for you know winning. So it it just had a lot of good thing. I thought some of the guys that are trying to maybe get a second shot at the NFL. Seem like a lot of those guys are serious about actually doing that. And that was a hard part of watching the AAF fall apart last year was that these there are a lot of players who are doing the same thing. They're trying to make things happen. And then that league collapsed and fell on its face. With time left in the season, and they did to a bunch of guys who are trying to follow a dream. Like They are... They weren't rich. They weren't rich by imagination by any stretch of the imagination. And it seems to me that in this case, the XFL is more stable. They learn from their mistakes the first time around. They are paying these guys a good wage, by the way. And Tommy pointed this out on Twitter. He wrote, Ram Tommy in LA. If you are rooting for the XFL to fail, you are rooting against young men getting an opportunity to make a living doing what they love. I am rooting for it to succeed. I am rooting for it to eventually become a feeder league to the NFL. I'm rooting for it to bring the game to communities that are shutting down the football right now. Our, our 
our kids are actually in the lower levels moving away from the game. You find hard to believe, but there's been a lot of PR for the game that's been bad in the last, what, five years, Mike? I think last five, five, ten? Oh, yeah, definitely last you know, five for sure. I mean, especially, you know, with CTE and everything, and that's something that's on the NFL, by the way. Got to be honest about that. Don't want to trash right. them. People are human. They make mistakes. I understand. You understand. Um, but you got to make up for that now. And having the XFL in there, and it's pretty clear they're not trying to compete with the NFL. Not at all. Not it, at all. If that was the case, we wouldn't see them on ESPN, Fox, and all those networks. Those are those are NFL partners. I, I think NFL would flip their lids if Fox was showing another league that's trying to compete with them on their networks. Well, it's interesting that. Uh, you know, just from, as you noted, the presentation, all the games that I saw, it looked like they had good crowd showing. Uh, something that was interesting, I don't know how true it is, you know, I was listening to one one of the broadcasts on Saturday. They said that you can't technically buy tickets at the game, game day, which I'm like, that wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, so I don't know if they're trying to create urgency that hey get your tickets else you can't come or maybe trying to cut down on the whole scalping thing uh but it would seem like they would lose out you know on on a good number of people that want to just show up that day so uh, had you heard anything about that no that's the first i've heard of it i'm gonna have to check on it yeah so but overall uh you know again i thought the crowds were really good and again, as you said, the presentation, I like the ball. That was interesting. And, you know, they're basically playing, uh, you know, real football. So it doesn't look like a typical spring league, you know, as it has in the past. And we're going to find out. We're going to find out. We'll see how this goes. I'm hoping that it, I'm hoping that sticks. I'm hoping that these, these guys get a chance to play in her and, uh, Hey, you know, we saw Tegray Scales out there. That's a familiar name for Rams fans. We, we saw Matt McGloin playing, former Raiders quarterback, playing for the Guardians. I got to tell you, I still have issues with the team names. Matter of fact, I still, have, I still have issues with the fact that these teams are at NFL cities. I, I would be wanting to get into markets that haven't had a shot before. That's where I'd want to be. I can see him putting in St. Louis. St. Louis lost the NFL team. They certainly already have a stadium there at the end to to have a team there. But do you need another team in Houston? Do you, I mean, do we, need, do we need another team in L.A.? We're going to embrace them. Of course we'll embrace them. But did you need it? Did you need another team in Seattle? Why not one in Portland? I mean, why not one in cities they haven't given a real shot to yet? Tampa Bay. Why the heck does Tampa Bay have a team? They can't even score the Bucks, let alone the Vipers. <laughs> well, yeah. you make a great point because when you think of like Alabama, that's the only thing going on in Tuscaloosa, right? You know, when you think of even, you know, a smaller market team like mm-hmm. uh, Boise State, it's kind of the only thing going. So, yeah, you would seem like you would go into a market that really would support something like that because of something they don't have or would or probably couldn't have or will have in the future. So, 
Yeah, I mean, I get the idea of being in the bigger markets. Maybe they think they can command better, you know, advertising dollars from the local, but it just seems like you get oversaturated. I think there are some exceptions. Like, I think the Dallas franchise, with their colors and they're playing off the arena football roots, I think that makes sense. I think it makes sense. I, I look at the St. Louis one being, that one makes sense. What doesn't make sense is... The Guardians, for example. The third team playing at MetLife. New York. Yeah, and Seattle, right. with all the franchises they got going on up there. and But really, Tampa Bay makes absolutely no sense. Of all the cities you're going to put a team in right now, you're going to put one in Tampa? People can make fun of, of Rams fans. Well, D.C., they were able to get that smaller stadium there you know, Audi Field, and let's be honest, D.C. hasn't had a football team in about 20 years anyways. Right, so you Come on. see the potential there. <laughs> yeah. Come on, I was waiting for you. But I was waiting for you yeah. to say something to me. Come on. No, but I mean, yeah. I, I guess my gripes really are with, if you're going to put a team in an NFL city, put one in an NFL city that, is that's working. Then even then you need to really question it. Like Tampa Bay isn't working out right now for the Bucks. As much as people trash talk the Rams and their fan base, they're still putting seventy thousand fans in the stadium there. You go look but no one talks about like Tampa Bay's attendance and how bad it was for the Bucks. Now you want them to go show up for the Vipers? I mean but you have Dallas, and that makes sense if you can tie it to something. And they tied it to the previous arena teams. You think those colors that nicknamed the Renegades was by chance? You know, the Houston Roughnecks. That's true. Look at the That's Houston true. Roughnecks logo. Look, I don't know if you saw it, but that logo, it looks an, has some familiarity to a certain Houston Oilers logo. Did you see it? I did. I and there's did. something they can tie it to. I can get it to a degree. I really do. But there has to be a purpose. In the same token, I think the AAF really messed up because they put a bunch of teams in cities like Orlando and Memphis and Birmingham. And you want to mix that in. You don't want to have it. I think they had one. They had a team in New York, didn't they? I think they did. But you want to you want to mix up the big markets and. The, the the established markets with the the ones that are are new breaths of fresh air. Like I think Birmingham going back there again would have been smart. The, the I remember the Birmingham Iron with the AAF. Mike, I'm pretty sure you remember, you remember this. I think they caught on pretty good down there. Am I wrong? No, I'm I'm sure because they caught on pretty well way back in the USFL days. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at. Also, San Diego. Why not there? Right, that would have been definitely, you know, you you had a good good following, and that would have seemed like it would have been a a great choice. Unless, you know, obviously they, I don't know what other stadium besides. Well, we call it Jack Murphy, but. Uh, that might have been a little too big for the venue. Or, you know, do the Spanos, do they still own that stadium? 
I think there's some college. There's a college stadium there, there too. Never thought that crossed my mind is maybe they really could not get in there. Um, maybe the AAF still has rights to some of those markets right now, even if they shut oh, down. Oh, that's true. Maybe that's why. That's true. Uh, I don't know, but I would like to see more of a mixture if they expand, like to see them go to a place like Portland. I'd like to see them go to a place that um, hasn't really been tried out. I remember a team. If you can tell me if you remember this. Remember the Sacramento Surge from the old World League of American Football? The Surge, yes. <laughs> I mean, that's a market you could probably get back into and see, and see if it would work for you. I'm just trying to point out that you don't have to go to every market that either has an NFL team or, you know, has had one. You don't have to go there. I think it needs to be a mix if you really want to get the game out to the people you like. Yeah, well, I think early on, just knowing a little bit about, you know, the financial stability, supposedly they're supposed to have a lot more dollars in the coffers this time. Uh, if you were going to have a team or if a city was going to have the team, they had to have a lot more money and backing and things like that. So maybe in these cities that we're discussing, they know they've had the money and the people are willing to, to make sure the team is successful. And then as a things go on you know i'm sure they'll add a team here add a team there uh if they can just make it a viable solution in the spring i think i'm two teams i hope they don't try and blow that thing up but it's a good first week how about this just just hope they get the first week you know they get it down right the second week they get down right third week they get down right Let's just hope that happens. The AAF had a good first couple of weeks and then fall off the map. Right, but I, I think, you know, what uh, Mr. McMahon did in advance of this, I think pretty sure that the finances are a lot better and more stable. Uh, the AAF, I think they started out supposedly having that, but then – Supposedly, a lot of the people that when they were supposed to now put in whatever the next payments were, that's where everything went went a little south. But again, just looking at the overall uh, feel for it, the announcers, you know what I mean? You got Kurt Menefee on one of the the telecasts. So these are guys that are, you know, I've been on the other networks as well. So they got legitimate broadcasters legitimate uh everything across the board even the is it uh is it blandino the ref head of the ref you know he he's part of it so uh it seems like they have a lot of key people that have great reputations and are astute in what they've done and what they do so I I look forward to you know next week. Like I said, uh, the quality of football that I saw was very very great. That's hope for that's good hope for week two. That's all it is. It's good hope for week two. Right. We'll be back next right. weekend. I think we should probably comment on once in a while. See how it goes. All right, folks. Yes, sir. All that said, we're looking for sponsors twenty twenty. Reach out to us at. I had a you can give moment. us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. Again, <laughs> 657-666-5453. Leave us a voicemail. We'll get your media kit out there. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you. There you go. For the save, Mike, making up for that early podcast performance. Coming in for the save. 
You're the closer. All that said, folks, don't forget false on. <laughs> We're getting a little giddy here. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams <laughs> and on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. You can find me, Derek C. Paul at DC Paul and Mike at 1Duke23. Don't forget us on Apple Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all those places. So, for Mike and the entire Rams Talk team, it's Derek C. Paul saying we're out of here. Take it easy. Take it easy. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.